4: What's up? Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Seaspire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Seaspire country. Visit them online at seaspire.com/slash business. We are coming to you as always. From the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Visit PearlRiverResort.com to learn more. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us, fellas. we got a bunch to get to this afternoon. we got lines. Bill Bender from the Sporting News is going to join us a little bit later. Had a conversation earlier today with Cole Kublik we talked about Ole Miss and its offensive line and Quinshawn Judkins. We talked about Mississippi State and play calling and what they're capable of. Hey, Dad, got a little early peek ahead of uh, what Cole will be looking for in the Egg Bowl matchup in two and a half weeks when Ole Miss and Mississippi State square off in Oxford on Thanksgiving night. And we talked a little coaching search: Lane Kiffin, slash Hugh Freeze, slash John Cohen. So covered a lot of ground with Cole Kubelik. That's coming up a little bit later in the show today. Got lines. We got another college football playoff poll coming out tonight. There's going to be pretty significant
5: shakeup from what we saw in week one. Happy Tuesday, boys! Oh, it's not a happy Tuesday. Why? Because the Saints got smoked again. Dude, you know, being a couple of negativity, right being in a Being <laughs> emotionally invested in bad sports teams is is tough. And a lot of people around here have years of experience in, in doing that. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But it's different when it shouldn't be bad. It shouldn't be bad. But it is. Like, I like the New Orleans Pelicans. I watch every single game. Their 2019 team... They're not, they weren't going to be good. You look at the roster, you know that it's not going to be a good team. You still watch because you're a fan, but you know, this roster can't win games in the NBA. They're not going to. There's going to be a trade request. It's going to go off the rails. You knew that going into it. You look at the roster, you know, bad team. Right. There have been some Ole Miss and Mississippi State teams in the past where you look at the roster and you know this is going to be a bad team. One that really comes to my mind is the 2011 Ole Miss team. You knew that was going to be a bad football team. You knew that. Anybody that didn't know that was lying to themselves and possibly their subscribers or followers or whatever. This Saints team should not be bad. But they are. And that makes it worse. And what's frustrating about it is I think the, the, the most disappointing part about this team is its defense. Yeah, I was going to say, because coming into the year, you guys, you know, despite questions,
4: I'm not like you guys and you. I'm just saying those of you who are diehard, died-in-the-wool Saints fans, despite there being questions about what's Jameis going to look like, got Andy Dalton, Kamara, Michael Thomas is healthy, all those things, and there was hope for the offense, but there was still unknown with the offense, Right. But right. yes. on the defensive side, you, these guys are going to be good on defense.
5: Defense is going to carry this football team. They're bad yeah, on that side. And I can't help but wonder if the head coaching responsibilities is taking Dennis Allen away from, from his defense. Because it's still his defense. He still calls defense and everything. And I, Because that personnel should be good. Should be really good. It's the same dudes from an elite-level defense last year. Same guys. But you added Tyron Matthew. Same dudes. And they stink. And I wonder if that is because Dennis Allen is not just focusing on defense. Either way, it shouldn't be like that. You watch, and it doesn't make sense. That's more frustrating than expecting them to be bad. Because they should not be bad, and they are. Hey, Dad, we get a message on the the ceasefire text line,
4: and you, your reaction might be them's fighting words, but... It says the Saints are the NFL's A&M. Well, that's not true.
3: I mean, no, the Saints it's not like the Saints went out in free agency this year and just paid big money for everybody. No. Maybe he means it from the standpoint Maybe. of
5: a lot of talent not producing results. Maybe. And the issue is talent can't stay healthy. Where's Marshawn Lattimore been? Michael Thomas gets hurt again, had to get foot surgery again. Um Has he played his last down in New Orleans? I think you probably should try to find a suitor because contract is brutal and he can't stay healthy. Yeah, It's frustrating, man. That's all it is is frustrating. Nothing is going right.
4: Saints don't have a quarterback. How the heck can you win without a quarterback? And I know the de facto answer is, but we don't know that because we haven't seen enough of Jameis Winston to know, but maybe the fact that you haven't seen enough of him to know is what you need to know.
5: Yeah, he has had his ACL tear last year was a freak tackle, a bad tackle, by the way. Should have been penalized and fined. Uh, but then, it, you know, two games into this season, you break four vertebrae in your back. You have a hip flexor issue and a sprained ankle. It's yeah, at some but, point. But when he comes
4: back and is cleared as healthy enough to go, they're like, "Yeah, Andy Dalton's going to be the quarterback."
5: I, don't, I still don't know if he's healthy enough to go. Well, but either way, either way it, it just—it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter that they, they are going to Jameis last night would not have changed the outcome. What blows my mind is people are like, "Oh, well, let Taysom be full-time quarterback," as if we didn't see what that looks like <laughs> last year. Like it'd be different if we didn't have a sample size that says, "Hey, when defenses have a week to prepare for Taysom Hill, they smoke him." Here's the crazy
4: thing, right? The Saints are bad. Like we all agree to that. They're three and six, and yet they're a game out of first place in the NFC South. Yeah, I and mean, it's still there. A, a team is going to win that division: the four and five Bucks, the four and five Falcons, the three and six Saints, the two and seven Panthers are only two games out of first place. Now, the Panthers aren't going to win the division. I mean, I. Think we all still believe that Tom Brady and the Bucs are going to win it, right? Based on what we've seen.
3: Right. Yes.
4: I think that's what we believe, it's probably what we should believe. It's kind of crazy though if you look around the NFL, right? The Bills lead the East, but the Jets just beat them. And, and you got the Dolphins there at 6 and 3 and Allen's arm. Allen with the UCL issue. The Ravens lead the North. Cincinnati seems to be getting a little better, I think, and a little healthier. Titans lead the South by a couple of games. That division is awful. Kansas City's a game in front of the Chargers. NFC side of things. I mean, the best division in football is the NFC East. What what year are we in? We're back to 2006 again. The Eagles are undefeated at 8-0. The Cowboys are 2-back at 6-2, tied with the New York Giants. And then you got the commanders at four and five. Minnesota has, for all practical purposes, won the NFC North. They're seven and one. The next closest record in the NFC North, the Packers and the Bears both at three and six. Out West, competitive, I think. I remember the first preseason game that the Seattle Seahawks played. Brock Heward, who lives in that part of the country, works with Fox, we don't see him, uh, see or hear from him as much anymore. He did a radio show, and he was like, that might be the worst football team I've ever seen. And now Geno Smith and D.K. Metcalf and the Seattle Seahawks have a couple of games in the win
5: column to lead in the division and have won four in a row. So it th- this might be... A take that I will walk back in one second. But Geno Smith right now looks ooh. like the best deep ball passer, best deep ball passer in the league right now. He is ooh. unbelievable throwing ooh, ooh, the football ooh. down the field right now. And part of it is, I mean, he's... I say, he's, is it because he's got maybe the best deep ball receiver in the NFL? He's, he's got some weapons. But my gosh, some of the throws he's making, man. That's it, It's... I realize that getting to watch him in person... And you forget watching on television how fast and precise the game is. The, the the balls that he was throwing in New Orleans, but he does this every week, are stupid throws in a complimentary way. And Rodgers can't do it right now because he doesn't have the guys getting open to be able to throw them to. And he's also on the tail end of his career. But if you need somebody to throw you a 55-yard ball in a basket right now, you taking Geno Smith you or might, Joe Burrow? You might be taking Geno. He's so good right
4: now. You agree on that front? Hey, Deb. Best deep ball thrower in the NFL, Michael Borky. He said it's a thin limb that he's out on. Yeah, I'm not.
3: Yeah, it's it's thin. But I, I like what Geno Smith is doing. I love the comeback story, and I love the the way he's he's handled himself with humility, but just a touch of... Just a little edge. I try to tell y'all. Just a little attitude. I like that.
4: Just a little bit of edge. Remember when Jalen Hurts got benched, lost his job at Alabama? He's playing really, really well. For That guy can never be an NFL quarterback. Oh, really? Oh, Oh, really? We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Hey, Dad, as we were going to the break, or right during the commercial break, I said to uh, Michael Borky, do you think the Titans would be a better football team if they still had A.J.
3: Brown on the roster? That's a tough question. No, actually, it's not tough at all. Yes, they would be a better football team.
4: A.J. Brown, this is with the help of Michael Borky, and then I went and did the math. Has caught 43 balls for 718 yards and six touchdowns. Tennessee Titans wide receivers, wide receivers, guys listed on their roster as wide receiver, have 658 yards receiving this season and one one touchdown. Is that possible? The Titans have six receiving touchdowns as a team. Three of those have gone to Dontrell Hilliard, the running back. One has gone to Okanowo, Okan Okanquo. Titans man, I can't pronounce whatever. And then Jeff Swain has a, uh, a catch as well, a touchdown catch. Has six receiving touchdowns. So does AJ Brown. Yikes!
5: Yeah, that's that's terrible. Also, it... and,
4: and the guy they brought in, by the way, to replace AJ Brown, Traylon Burks, broke his toe and he's been on IR for the last month.
5: Tough. Hmm. Tough scene. Tough scene. Wow.
4: And yet they still lead their division.
5: Just not a. Just not a contender. I mean, they can get to the playoffs, but as far as they're going. You know who else is not a contender? The Packers. That's pa- correct. The Packers are gonna say the Saints, my bad. Oh well, they're not. But the thing is they can still they can still win their division. There's only one game left on their schedule against a team above five hundred. <laughs> Eight games, seven teams below five hundred. If they just stop sucking, they can get there. I'm so chuckling because hey dad is just he thinks I'm just throwing haymaker after haymaker. Oh you're you're not
4: I mean, look, wrong. <sighs> I mean, Chelsea's still kind of in contention. Kind of,
3: they're still in contention. Are in November?
4: Well, yeah. It's how long? November. November.
3: How long does the season last? until May. Jeez. Plus we're all about to, we're all about to take a month off for the World Cup here. So uh,
4: that's a good point. Do you realize how many times you're going to have to hear "boom" go the cannons between now
3: and May? We'll see how that goes.
4: Oh, really? I think we just saw how that went, didn't we?
3: Well, we'll play again. When? Um, I don't know. Oh, see, you don't even I mean, know. You're
4: not a real fan. You don't even know when they play again.
3: <laughs> no, I don't know the full <laughs> 38 fixture schedule for my team. I I just keep up week to week as best I can. Yeah, well, if you were a, if you were a real fan, we get. I know our... who they play next in the Champions League. Who does Arsenal play in Europa?
4: I don't know. They're just going to be sitting home thinking about 11-1-1 and how good that feels. Mm. You have been you have been surpassed by Manchester United. You've been surpassed they had, they, they, they by, by lost, Brighton. Uh, si- since when did the belt company get better than Chelsea?
3: <laughs> is Brighton a, a belt company? Yeah, it's I like women's purses
4: and belts.
5: Google Brighton. It's, also a, it's
4: like it's shiny also city silver and black leather.
5: Mm.
6: <laughs>
5: we get our our World so- Cup roster tomorrow, by the way, in November, because it's still this yeah. stupid. Uh, saw, saw a report earlier today that the United States was supposed to host this World Cup, and it would have been back in the summer, right? But at the last yeah. minute, all the votes switched to uh, Qatar, Qatar or Qatar. Cutter is also appropriate, whatever. But it's very hot, so they had to do it in the winter. Very corrupt. Turns out that the French vote was swayed, according to a report, by the purchasing of $14 billion worth of fighter jets. Oh, yeah. France voted for Cutter. shortly after the vote. Cutter bought billions of dollars of fighter jets from France.
4: Uh, so can I be honest just for a moment? That's that, that's dirty pool. I don't blame France at all. That's that's not
5: how it's supposed to work.
4: Let's just. No, I understand that, that. I understand that that is not how it is supposed to work. And yet,
3: you think we've gone too far? Hey. I will. If, if you give me fourteen billion dollars, I will literally vote for anything you tell me to vote for. <laughs>
5: Literally anything. You had to manufacture the vehicles. It's not like it was just straight fourteen bills. Like you, you were in on that cost as well. But like college I'm just football saying, fans are like, oh, that receiver went to Kentucky for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh, the sports ruined. And soccer fans are like, we're exchanging fighter jets for billions. <laughs> mm.
4: Oh, it's it could be our, worse, guys. One of our favorite text messages. Only about 11 people listening are interested in soccer. Change the topic to something the thousands of your listening audience wants to listen to. We're going to. We're just having a little bit of fun on a Tuesday.
5: Also, if you don't appreciate that anecdote I'm about not fighter jets in billions of dollars changing a vote for a soccer tournament, then I can't help you. If that's not interesting to you, then... I, I can't help you. Our brains are on different wavelengths. Because I laughed when I read that story.
4: Also, Richard needs to stick to what he knows about. What are, are you pretending that I don't know anything about soccer? Boom! Go the cannons. <laughs> it's possible. It's a bit, and maybe <laughs> I know. <laughs> maybe I know a little bit more than I'm letting on. Maybe. That wouldn't be any fun, though. That wouldn't be any fun. Uh, Would this be any fun? If you had won the Powerball like that one person in California did, even though it took an extra 15 or so hours to find out that somebody had actually won, and sometime, let's just say you were immediately ready to, you, you weren't doing any of the smart stuff, like getting a lawyer and a financial advisor and all those things, and... You went you you saw that you won and you went to the lottery office today and said, Here's my ticket, give me my money. And they're like, Okay, here is roughly six hundred million dollars. Would you consider laying a hundred million of that on LSU minus three at Arkansas? Because everything in my brain tells me that if you had won the Powerball yesterday, maybe it would have just been worth letting it ride and seeing about doubling up. Now, I don't think you can just walk into the golden moon and place a $600 million bet. I don't think.
3: How much would that weigh? you got oh, to show up with cash, right? Like That's going to be like a pallet
5: of money. Yes. So a couple people have asked me, like, what what does Vegas see? Like, is this a sucker line? And the only thing that I can wrap my head around is that they think a sleepy, cold 11 a.m. kickoff will be hard for LSU to get up for. After the emotional high of beating Alabama at home and storming the field and all that stuff. That's the only thing I can wrap my mind around because these two football teams could not be going in more opposite directions. KJ Jefferson does not look healthy at all. The offensive line in front of him is pretty bad and LS, I mean LSU's defensive front is going to feast. Thanksgiving's coming early in Fayetteville on Saturday. Mm. They're having ham. Like what <clears throat> what do you think so turkey good old number year. 40 is going to do? I mean that that guy no, alone not is going to win the game. And then on the other side of the ball,
3: let's not forget that Arkansas is absolutely dreadful defensively this year. And And they're missing a couple of starters this week. Yes, yes. two
4: two, two defensive backs, including um, Slusher, who I guess Mm -hmm. is the best DB that they've got left on the team. What, arrested on Saturday night? And so those two guys aren't available. I need someone to explain to me what I'm missing, uh, unless the people in Vegas happen to know that Jaden Daniels is in a full upper body cast. I don't understand, Vorky. I could this not agree one with that... you more about KJ Jefferson. You remember what we talked about the best part of his game was going into the season? In addition to the fact that he looks like a refrigerator that can't be tackled, it was his touch on the deep ball, the connection that he had with Traylon Burks a year ago. One of the questions we had was who was going to replace Traylon Burks. He throws a beautiful deep ball. He can't throw it deep right now.
3: This is a line that I will be uh, very interested to hear Lee Sterling and Bruce Marshall's thoughts on when we get to them.
4: Yes, 420 Thursday afternoon, 420 Friday afternoon. We will hear from both of those gentlemen and see if they can make any sense of it. Let's look at the rest of the lines involving SEC teams when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
3: the disturbed continue
0: sports talk mississippi super talk mississippi
4: This. this week in the Polk's pick six, we had some outcomes that um, were going to make it really difficult to have an undefeated winner this week. No 352 doubt. eligible respondents. You know how many people went 6 and 0? Oh?
3: 10. Zero.
4: Oh, do you know how many people went five and one? And I've got i have I've gotta double check to make sure that I have sorted this properly, but I think I have sorted this spreadsheet properly. How many people do you think went five and one? Ten. Three. <sighs> do you know how many people went oh and six?
3: Probably a few. Four.
4: We had four Yikes. people that took Auburn, Southern Miss, Tennessee, Alabama, Texas A&M, and Clemson. We did. Rough. Very rough. No, nobody got all six right. There were three that took Mississippi State, Georgia, LSU, Florida, and Notre Dame all three of those people picked southern miss so we'll uh, we'll get you a winner I, i'll give you the uh, the breakdown this is actually kind of interesting so auburn mississippi state 93% picked mississippi state georgia state southern miss 89% took southern miss no respect for georgia state Tennessee-Georgia, 67% Georgia. 83% took Alabama to beat LSU and Baton Rouge. 56% of you took Texas A&M to beat Florida. And 67% had Clemson over Notre Dame.
5: You know, the, the people that picked that need to start listening closer to this show. I told you what was going to happen. Now ignore what I said about Arkansas and Liberty. But I told you what was going to happen. It's on you for getting it wrong. Yeah. Tell us some of the other things that you have told us are going to happen. Ah, I said ignore those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignore Ignore. those. We only focus on what we got right. That's the point. I mean, it's a, it's a political day. We spin it, baby. That's what we're supposed to do. We're on the spin team. Mm. Okay. Tennessee is
4: a 21-point favorite at home this week against the Missouri Tigers. We all know that Missouri is not good. We do know but that. They're, but, but they're a good-bad team. Can can you be on board with that, hey Dad? I don't know. I mean, hold on. I now. think Missouri, they're just a bad team. Uh, Missouri's four and five, but you could easily take two and maybe three of their games and change one thing, and it's a different. Like
3: the the you know, that's, what, against that's what bad teams do is they they lose games. Like, I mean, their best win is I think Louisiana Tech.
6: Uh,
4: I guess.
5: But so they played Georgia tough. They they should have, should have, could have, would have. They should have won in the swamp. They fumbled their loss at Auburn. I mean it. Well, but
4: and, and the reason I say good—that's team... what bad, bad teams team, do, though. Yeah, but the reason I say good bad team is that defense is it has redeeming qualities. Right. Is that defense good enough to slow down Tennessee? No. With with a burr and it should be an angry
3: Tennessee. So. No, I don't think so.
5: They they better be glad they locked up Eli before this one. (laughs) (laughs)
6: It,
4: It feels to me like being Missouri, South Carolina, or Vanderbilt in any of the next three weeks is an unenviable position because I think Tennessee would like to do some significant polishing of its resume over the final three weeks there is a very real possibility that an 11 and one Tennessee finishes number four in the college football playoff rankings and if they beat Missouri oh what do we want to say 49 to 10 and they beat South Carolina 50 well let's be fair to South Carolina 45 to 14. And then they beat Vanderbilt 63-3 to over the final three weeks of the regular season. They're not getting a boost out of any of those wins, but people will be reminded, like, whew, that offense. Wow. I don't think you're real fired up about playing Tennessee coming off of that loss last week to Georgia over the next three weeks. No. Right. And the Missouri game is the last yeah, I, home game eleven AM kick this Saturday against uh, against Missouri on CBS. Then it's back to back road games for the balls. <clears throat> I know we'll do picks on Friday, but as we sit here today, you're you're seriously considering laying twenty one points with Tennessee, right? Absolutely. Okay. Kentucky's a 17-point favorite at home against Vanderbilt.
5: Yeah, sure. AJ Swanson's hurt, man. Eh, you know, that's too many. It'd be a hard game to watch. Do you think
3: that's too I many want, points? But... Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, wasn't how many points? Wasn't Missouri a double-digit favorite and against them, and they lost? They lost by three. They'll, they'll, they'll stay within 17. Mm, I don't know, man. Maybe you're right. It's two bad teams playing each other. I, I, I don't think it'll be a blowout. Alabama
4: is a 12-point favorite in Oxford.
3: Vegas has no respect for Ole Miss whatsoever. None.
5: Is that a no respect thing, or is it simply just it's Alabama? I mean, I know that, that they are...
3: It's an 8-1 and one home team. But
5: There, there is Against
3: always the a been...
4: premium that's applied to Alabama, though.
3: It's true, but this is an Alabama team that's been terrible on the road this year. Should have lost to Texas, did lose to Tennessee, lost to LSU. I mean, Alabama could be favored, that's fine, but 11-and-a-half? That, 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 that's no respectable to Ole Miss.
5: They, they lost to LSU by one in the same place that Ole Miss lost by 25. I get it. I
3: understand. I don't know. I'd... I'm just saying Ole Miss at home, I'm just surprised. that. I, I mean, like I said, if you told me it's like five-and-a-half, six, sure. Sure. Eleven and a half. I mean, you're telling me on a neutral field it's seventeen and a half.
4: Well, we've also got to remember what Vegas is in the business of doing, right? It's balancing money. And no if doubt you would it. put no Alabama doubt. as a five and a half point favorite in that game, do you know how much money would have poured in before they could blink on Alabama? It would pour in. Oh, you're right.
3: you're not wrong.
5: Yeah. This is still very much free shot territory. Now, I had somebody ask me yesterday, "Do I think we'll Miss is a chance to win?" And, and yes, I do think they have a, a they can win this game. They got to play their A plus game. And the the story about their health and being as healthy as they've been since training camp, has, that's got to be real. It's got to be true. Uh, if, in fact, that is the case. Those kind of things have to happen. You, you have to hope that Alabama continues to be the most penalized team in the SEC. That kind of stuff all has to happen. So, yes, they can, and not in the one in, one in a million can. There's a chance. But this is still very much a free shot. There's there's no way that in year three that you should have a roster that should just line up and beat Nick Saban's Alabama. So if you lose, it, the, losing this game is not an indictment on Lane Kiffin or his pro. none, none of that. None, it's an absolute free shot. There are very little consequences for losing this game, and you've got a ton to gain by winning it. It's a free shot. Put all your chips on the table and see what happens. This is not a they should win this game, or I expect to win this game, unless you're just being irrational. It's a free shot. Most
4: expensive ticket in the SEC this weekend is Oxford. $178 to get in the door for Ole Miss and Alabama. After that, 105 will get you in for LSU and Arkansas. These are obviously secondary market prices. You might be able to do better than that if you're... Uh, scheming a little bit. 90 bucks to get in the door for Missouri and Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, $19. That'll get you inside Kroger Field for Vanderbilt and Kentucky. $52. That's what it'll cost to get in uh, for South Carolina and Florida. I, I probably would not pay that today. My, my guess is you can find a better deal than that on South Carolina. Florida tickets for a 3 o'clock game on the SEC Network on Saturday afternoon. Georgia and Mississippi State. Uh, $47 is your get-in-the-door price on the secondary market and Texas A&M at Auburn. 30 bucks so That's affordable. You want to see the Auburn and Tigers don't forget, at Texas A&M Aggies.
3: Don't forget if you use your card at the Kentucky game, you get some fuel points. So, <laughs> Well played. I liked it. Do you use your fuel points? You kind of let them build up and then cash them at the end. i would let them build up, and one day where I can get it for like a dollar fifty a
4: gallon, I'm going. Yes, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I knocked a dollar off a gallon of gas, or however many gallons of gas the other day. I was like, "This is awesome." Makes you feel good, yeah. yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm FM and Supertalk TV. We will be right back.
0: Mississippi, here's more (laughs) Super Talk Mississippi.
4: So the winner of the Polk's Pick 6 last week is Jeff.
3: Jeff's email address.
4: I'm not going to give you the whole thing. I'll just tell you how his email address is deer.hunter. That sounds to me like a guy who is uh, going to know what to do with that prize package, the the six-pack of Polk's meat products that is uh, shortly going to be on his way. So congratulations, Jeff. You went 5-1. and one. You had Mississippi State winning. You had Southern Miss, which that was your one loss. You had Georgia, LSU, Florida, and Notre Dame. And you were one of three people to do that. Tiebreaker last week was total points in Georgia, Tennessee. The number was 40, and you won via tiebreaker. By the way, Jeff's number was 56, and it was the closest to 40. The other two were 62 and 76. So a lot of folks thinking a lot of scoring in that game didn't turn out to be that way. Weather probably had some to do with it. So, Jeff, congratulations. We will uh, we'll get the Polk's Pick Six up uh, tomorrow for this week's contest and give you another chance to win a six pack of Polk's meat products yourself. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, you can join us. Ceasefire Text Line, 601-879-4395. Let's go back and finish looking at the lines for games involving SEC teams. We made it through Alabama-Ole Miss, where uh, Alabama is a 12-point road favorite. South Carolina at Florida. Florida is favored by 8.
3: I don't know what to make of that one. Like South I think Carolina's is not very South good. South Carolina is the play there. Yeah, but. Well, oh, do you? I mean, there's Florida. And I mean, I think Florida will win, but I mean, could I see it? I like, you know, 27 21 or something like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's reasonable. That That's right. Re- I wonder if Florida
4: found a little something last week. I don't know. Georgia in Starkville to take on Mississippi State.
3: 16.5 is the number to the season of giving. Thanksgiving is coming up. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You are giving the points. I'm a very giving person. I would I would give those points. I might give a few more if they let me. Ooh. Well, I mean, I'm sure you can find somebody who would take more points. Yeah.
5: Other than just it's football, it's college football and it gets weird sometimes from a from a practical standpoint. Is there anything that tells you that Mississippi State can move the football on this Georgia defense? No. <laughs>
3: it's
4: a so, short answer I mean, from Brian Hayed. Hey,
3: uh, uh, no. no. I mean I don't think I think they could have some success early in this one, the way they have had all year. Honestly, they've 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 been a good first quarter team. But Georgia will make their adjustments, and then that will be that.
4: I'm by the way, not going to be mad at Mike. Leach if he doesn't commit to running the football against Georgia? Because that's not going to (laughs) work.
5: Well, I don't know if the pass is going to work either because the country's, or one of the most prolific passing offenses in the country couldn't do that.
4: Yeah, you're right. And A a lot of quick hitting stuff. But you do remember a couple of years ago, Mississippi State had seven scholarship players and they went to Athens and
5: they nearly won. It's like fishing stories, right? The 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 longer no, it's, it's more it's like been, it's more like the three
3: hundred at this point. <laughs> you, know, just, you know, Athens, Greece, Athens, Georgia. It's all the same. Yeah. The longer oh, yeah.
5: it's been since you caught the fish, the bigger it gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The longer it's been since that game, the fewer players they had. Yeah. What was the Rogers? 30, is only twelve 39? years old.
4: Well, I mean, huh?
3: Was it thirty-nine? What, what, what was
4: it now? What was the it? It was forty-three. Forty-three. Mm-hmm. You double
3: check that, or that's just kind of what you decided to go I, with. At this at this point, I just know that that was the number forty-three
4: I've heard it enough times. is the number. That kind of effort again.
3: I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I feel like that team was like super bought in because I mean they could have opted out of that game. They could have said they didn't want to go play. They obviously did. I think that team was at the peak of bought into Mike Leach. And I'm not saying there's a mutiny or anything going on. I'm just saying that I don't know that this team at this point in the season with the losses they've gone through is at that same point mentally. So
4: I think that, and, and we don't really have time to get into this right now, but I think that's a fascinating conversation to have about where this Mississippi State team is mentally if it doesn't go well on Saturday. Because I don't know that that's a hurdle you really have to deal with right now. I mean, let, let, let's just say that Georgia wins on Saturday night and it's not all that close. Well, you're going to win against East Tennessee State regardless, and so you'll get the you'll you'll get the bad taste out of your mouth, and then State always gets up for the egg bowl, or at least almost always does.
3: Did they get up last year? Yeah, I think they were they were ready to play. They just played poorly. Yeah, yeah. almost played well.
4: Sports talk, Mississippi. We got more coming up with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios right after this.
0: Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Hour, girl, sports talk Mississippi, baby streaming baby. at Supertalk.fm, I'm Super up, Talk TV, so Richard Cross, Michael Borke, Brian Haydad, and you. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two eighteen hole championship golf courses. It's not always eighty degrees on November eighth. It's not always going to be eighty degrees on November 9th, but tomorrow it will be on November 9th. Great time to get out and play some golf. You can book a tea time online. At DancingRabbitGolf.com, schedule your trip, plan your trip there. Again, that's DancingRabbitGolf.com. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. In just about a minute and a half, we're going to get to our conversation with Cole Kublik, first part of that conversation anyway. Hey, I want to go back to what we were talking about right before the break, though. 60 seconds or less, and we'll come back to this later in the show this afternoon Level of motivation left for Mississippi State if Saturday night does not go well. You're talking about in,
3: during that game or for the No, 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 no I'm talking about going forward for the remainder of the year. Oh, well, I, I think it's tough because, you know, players aren't going to tell you they think they're going to lose, right? That's never going to happen, but... I think they know the challenge. Let's try to make it as politically correct as we can. They know the challenge that is in front of them in playing Georgia, right? It's the number one team in the nation. It's the defending national champions. They're super talented. It's going to be tough. It's Mm -hmm. going to be tough. I think the players know that. And then, like you said, with the, the FCS game coming up, I'm sure they view that as an opportunity to, like you said, get a win, get a little positive momentum going into the Egg Bowl. Uh, maybe a chance for a lot of players to play. You hope, and then like you, and then I agree with what you said. You know, state is usually up for the egg bowl. And Ole Miss is usually up for the egg bowl. I don't remember an egg bowl. Where Ole Miss was just flat. Maybe twenty eighteen. Hold, hold that would be, thought. we going to have. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm
4: sorry to interrupt. We got to hurry to Cole Kubalik right now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. All guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Cole Kubelik joins us right now. Busy guy. Radio show in Birmingham on jocks. You know him from the SEC Network, sideline analyst. He's dipped into some action lately as well as a uh, a booth analyst, which, by the way, is where Michael Borkey thinks you should be all the time. I mean, no. I appreciate- yeah, no disrespect to Jordan. He just thinks that, uh, that that's where you should be on Saturday night. So, um, but you have a really interesting perspective, uh, the spot that, that you're able to watch games. So let's just jump right in and I, I want to rewind a, a couple of weeks to that old Miss Texas A&M game to, to start things. You saw Quinchon Judkins up close and personal. You watched that old Miss offensive line. They at times have had issues protecting Jackson dart, but they seem to not be having issues in terms of opening holes in the run game. What do you see from kind of that group and also Judkins?
2: I think, I think they've been a a group that has played well this year. Now the protection part of it is real. They've had some breakdowns there. I think it's gotten better as the season has progressed. Um, You know, they do such a good job of just giving you different things visually to be responsible for on offense that it makes playing the run very difficult, but then they have a pretty good offensive line to go along with that. And elite backs, especially Judkins, a guy that just, he has an innate ability of pressing the line of scrimmage, pressing his blocks, riding his blocks. He's very patient. He's got good vision and just a good understanding of how plays are going to turn out. And at that age, you don't really you don't really get that a whole lot. You usually, get guys that just get the ball and go 100 miles an hour north and south. And you know, he has the ability to sort of wait and then not get to full speed until he wants to get north and south. Um, he's got a good amount of power to go with really good speed. He's one of those backs to me when I watch him, Richard, he never looks like he's going full speed. Like he's never looks like he's trying a hundred percent, but he is. And he just, he makes it look easy. And you know, they've made some changes up front. I think Jake Thornton's done a good job with that group of moving, you know, Nick Broker down inside and. Um, you know, they've they battled some guys that have been less than a hundred percent, but I, I think that, and then too, I think not having trig the last couple of games has actually worked against them as well. You know, that's a, that's a position that that offense really relies upon for mismatches and having you defend things a certain way and not having that's worked against it. But they just, they, they force you visually to be out of place all the time and they make you defend all parts of the field. And if you don't, they're going to take advantage of it. So who's a, who's think a think good con? I think it's one of the most unique run schemes in college football. I really do, just with everything they add to it. Who's a good comp for Judkins? Uh, another
4: back that you've seen that he reminds you of or reminds you of him.
2: Probably like a TJ Yeldon in Alabama. Um, he's just kinda he's kinda kinda high waisted and like I said, just never feels like he's overexerting himself. Like, you know, you watch like Derrick McFadden, Adrian Peterson, like you could always tell those like they were just literally looked like they were gonna run out of their uniform. Uh, but then there's other backs that just never felt – they just look like they glide. And, you know, you go back to like a Gale Sayers and guys like that that just felt like they always were just kind of flowing. Um, Judkins kind of reminds me of that. Yeldon was kind of I, – I watched T.J. Yeldon play in high school, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And um, I think Judkins kind of in the same mold. Let's
4: scoot from Oxford to Starkville. That's where you were this past Saturday night. You saw that Mississippi State Auburn game. Mississippi State at times offensively looks like a well-oiled machine, and then at times they look like you know they're they're two flat tires and the oil needs to be changed, and you know they stop running the ball. What what's going on with them offensively?
2: Some of it's inexplicable, and I can't. I, I I don't. Some of it, I don't know. I do think the weather worked against them a little bit. Uh, when, it's, when the rain kind of started coming down, it was kind of dry. It stopped early, and then it started again. And then the balls get a little bit more wet. The receiver's hands get a little more wet. Things get heavier. I think that that played a little bit of a part. Um, but really, it was, it was protection breakdowns uh, that, were, that were bad. And it wasn't like Auburn was really overloading trying to bring – you know, seven or eight guys at a time, it was just one on one losses, tackles getting their feet together a little bit too much or opening their hips a little too early and giving a free run, a free lane to the quarterback. And yeah, you know, there were a couple of drops and there are a couple of balls that will missed. Uh, it was, it was collective, but I do think getting away from that run was something that was problematic when they stuck to that and it hasn't been consistent. But when they stuck to that this year, yeah. they've been much more difficult to defend because you can't play three down when they do that. And when you can play three down and decide when you want to add somebody else, how you want to add somebody else to your pressure packages, um, that gives you a big advantage on defense. Auburn was, was playing four down to start, and I think they were doing it specifically because they didn't want to get run on. They're not a very heavy front. And so they saw some of the double teams that I saw earlier this year and probably want to try to avoid that. Um, I just think it's one of those offenses that it's so rhythm and timing-based that at times it's just going to slow down. And it's a stubborn offense to a certain extent. I mean, Mike Leach believes somebody's open on every play, no matter what. And so, like, I talked to Chris Hatcher at Sanford, and he told me that that's what he used to tell him in their quarterback group. Somebody's open on every play. And there would be times that he'd look at the first read, and it was covered, and then the fourth read, and he'd say, why didn't you start over here on the fourth read? He's wide open. And you're just like, but that's the fourth read. So, like I said, some of it is just stubborn, um, in its nature. And so I think, and it's, listen, there are other offenses that are not dissimilar to that. You know, Tennessee's offense is kind of the same way. I mean, they will go and go and go and go and go. And then all of a sudden it seems like they run into a wall and you'll get three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Again, timing, rhythm based, um, you know, tempo, you got to have that first, first down to get things going. So, um, I think a lot of, a lot of offenses that are reliant on that and that's a big part of how they have success, there's there's going to be times that it just kind of goes away. And I think the coaching and the experience comes in when how do you get it back, and that's the difficult part.
4: So we're not there yet, right? We're still two and a half weeks away from the Egg Bowl, but when you look at these two teams, Ole Miss and what they do offensively, Mississippi State pretty good on the defensive side, kind of what they do offensively. What what I mean, not who do you think is going to win the game,
2: but what's going to be important in that matchup? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, athletically, Mississippi State does not have a lot of advantage defensively. They have advantages in a lot of other places. Like, I mean, they will, they can come to the line of scrimmage and, and knock you back. And physically, they can, they can, you know, they can go toe to toe with just about anybody. But on the perimeter, things are a little bit different. And just running with teams, it's a little bit different. So that would be a big concern for me is, does Zach Arnett decide to play different personnel, maybe a little bit of a different lineup to sort of match the speed and athleticism that Old Miss is going to bring to the table, especially if they continue doing things like playing Mingo at sort of that H tight end position where yeah. and here's the thing, they haven't used him outs out of that very much. You've seen him kind of block some people and do some different things, but I mean, what's gonna happen when all of a sudden they just run him up the scene? Like who's gonna who's gonna match up with that? I'm not just talking about Mississippi State. I'm talking about anybody. Like, there's a lot of creative things that they're going to be able to do if he keeps playing in that spot some that I don't think anybody else is going to be able to match up with. So, speed and athleticism on the perimeter would be the first thing that I'll be concerned about. Um, and then it goes back to what we were just talking about. Ole Miss, yeah, when we talk about Auburn not being a heavy front, Ole Miss is a very light front just in in their nature. And if Mississippi State, does, if, they get the good, if they get the right looks and they decide, okay, we're just going to run the ball – And we'll focus on our double teams and try to get movement. They should be able to do that. If they're getting three down and four in the box and maybe five in the box, they should be able to have success with that. But you have to stay with it and you have to stay committed to it. So if they stay committed to it and they get those looks, I think they can find some success with it. Last thing.
4: We got more coming up with Cole Kubelik after the break. We'll talk with him about uh, coaching search, John Cohen, Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin. All of those things are next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. What
0: do they want? Exciting, Exciting news. Brace yourself. More sports talk, Mississippi
2: now. now.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi, part two of our
4: conversation with Cole Kubelik is coming up. But first, we'll remind you that all guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're going to switch gears get away from the football on the field and talk to Cole a little bit about uh, Lane Kiffin as it pertains to the Auburn job. What about Hugh Freeze? And what is the level of autonomy that John Cohen has as Auburn searches for this new football coach? Last thing for you, Colin. I know you're tight on time. I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. So anytime there's a head coach opening in the SEC, everybody that's in the SEC focuses on on that, especially when it happens with a month left in the season. All the more so when the quote-unquote leading candidate is the head coach of one of the schools in Mississippi. What do you make of of the Lane Kiffin Auburn thing, uh, and, and maybe bigger picture? I know you guys are talking about it a ton on the radio. Just just the Auburn opening and where this thing is headed is it is there traction in the search? What's going on?
2: Uh, you know, I think. I mean, I think that the interest from Lane's perspective, at least from the Auburn side, is real. Um, you know, I think that they've. I think that his camp has listened and and has you know probably had a few conversations. Um, I know he's a target, and, I mean, I've said it publicly, I think he would be best-case scenario for Auburn. That's just my opinion. Um, I think this time around, Auburn needs to do more to excite the fan base, to gain energy for, you know, you go back to when Ole Miss and Mississippi State made those two hires. I didn't think things were as bad internally as a lot of other people did. And so I think a lot of the reason that you made those hires were to energize fan bases that maybe weren't as excited about things. And at the time I was kind of like, really? I mean, is that, is that where we are? And yes, to answer my own question, that's where we are now. And from an NIL perspective, just from a transfer portal perspective, I think you have to have some juice when it comes to who your coach is and why kids are paying attention to it and why it's fun and why it's familiar and why there's some notoriety. So uh, this can't be a a Tommy Tuberville, Terry Bowden, Gene Chiswick hire. And that's nothing against any of those. They all had success. I mean, Chiswick won a national championship. You know, Tuberville had undefeated seasons. Uh, we went to the SEC championship game in his second season. So all those guys had success. Like Gus went to the national championship game in his first year, won SEC championship. Uh, but those guys weren't ones that you were going to put their names – on billboards and people were, it was going to wow people. I think Auburn needs a little bit of that this time around. I really do. And just because they've got to flip that roster in a hurry is not a talented group. And they've got to find some momentum that will help them do that. And bringing in someone who is a, a program builder or is going to offer, you know, maybe some sustainability moving forward. I, I don't know if that's enough right now, based on what Alabama is doing, what Georgia is doing, and then what a lot of other teams in the league seem like they're doing. So, um, you know, I, I don't think the Dan Landing stuff is very real. I don't believe Matt Rule would take it. That's just my opinion. I know Matt and, and I just, it, it doesn't seem like his thing. But I mean, what's the, what's the, what's the money going to look like? It, it could be a situation where, you know, when the salary is presented and that gets thrown around in the agent world that all of a sudden more people become interested and think it'd be a great hire. You know what are what are John Cohen's relationships like? Where he could maybe someone who wasn't interested said, "Oh, well, if that's going to be the guy in the office with me every day, I might be interested now." We we don't know we know the answer to all those questions. So I think there's a lot that's going to go into it. Um, yeah, I think there are a couple of guys whose name is real and that are they're being discussed. But there's always those you know this Richard. There's always those two or three names that none of us are ever thinking about, that none of us are ever talking about, like Brian Harson that end up being real candidates and we have to pay attention to and sometimes end up getting the job.
4: What do you do with Hugh Freeze in this search?
2: Uh, I think you vet him and and you you talk about it. Um, I mean he he could come to Auburn and win. I have I have no doubts about that. Yeah. Um you know so that's that's a decision that, that some people internally are going to have to make is you know there, there will always be uh, another side of that, that is going to have to be dealt with and answered to. And that's not necessarily just from you. That's from the administrative standpoint. Um, listen, I'm not somebody who sits here and says, Oh, somebody made a mistake eight years ago. They should never get another job. That's not me. I, I'd be beyond hypocritical if that were me, but you know, there, we know what's going to come with it. And, you know, there's a, there's going to a lot that would have to be dealt with. And so i I don't know what the folks behind the scenes think about those things because we haven't had those conversations. But if you're asking me if Hugh Freese could come to Auburn and win, yeah, absolutely.
4: I I know you got to go. The last thing I'll ask you and we'll be done. How much autonomy does John Cohen have in this? Is it input from other people that matter? Is it he gets to do it all by himself? How how does that work?
2: I think he could do it by himself if he wanted to, but I think he would be foolish to. And from, from what I have already heard, from him, read about him, and heard from people around him, I think he has a pretty good understanding that it would be in everyone's best interest if this was somewhat of a collective decision. Now, it's still his decision, but he understands, I'm sure, that his predecessor went out and could have made a a decision collectively and decided not to and saw how that went. He's no longer there. That coach is no longer there. So um, I, I think that because of him being sort of around it for a while, he'll probably understand that people should be involved and people should be heard. But this still needs to be a decision that's best for Auburn as far as who they're actually able to go get.
4: Great stuff, Cole. Thanks for your time. Yeah, man. That was Cole Kublik joining us on the uh, the Farm Bureau guest line. Sounded like a lot war- to
5: unpack there. Sounded like a warning. I uh,
3: uh, one of our texters. Pointed this out, but I think it's a done deal. He says Auburn needs some juice. Kiffin
5: to Auburn, confirmed. Mm. Two things: one, that that last part that he said, it, it certainly sounds like a disaster. That the AD he's got autonomy, but he better do it collectively because the last guy tried that and he got fired. <laughs> so you better consult people, or else that oh, sounds John. like a warning. And the other part, I, I think I, I, I interpreted that a little differently.
4: Actually, I, I think what he was saying was <laughs> maybe I'm just rearranging the words you used. John Cohen is smart enough to know that on this decision, right out of the gate, he doesn't need to go it alone. That yeah, I mean yeah. He but 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 see here's the, here's the way I would characterize it. John Cohen's job is to figure out who he wants to be the head coach. And then build consensus among the other stakeholders at Auburn as to why that is the right guy. And then have everybody put together a united front. I think that's the way you got to approach that. Because what you, if if you're John Cohen, you, you don't want to go in and go talk to booster A, B, and C and say, hey, tell me what you think. And they tell you what you think, what they think. And then one, you just, immediately go, okay, that's what we're doing, or two, immediately go, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We're not doing that. That's a really bad way to approach it for John Cohen. He needs to be able to go and have those conversations and talk generally and then say, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back on this and say, guys, I think this is the right route to go. Let, let's talk about why and see if he can then build that consensus so that publicly it looks like John Cohen and Jimmy Rain and Mr. Harvard and whatever influence Bobby Louder still has—I don't know if he's got any left or not. Everybody's on the same page. It's hard to do, but that's what he's got to do.
3: Did you see the uh, hilarity from John Cohen's press conference today? Which part? The the so apparently when Harson was introduced by Alan Green, he talked about how they met while speaking in a hot tub. So today, a reporter for Auburn, Brian Stoltz, who covers Auburn for Rivals, asked Cohen if he had ever spoken to a coach while in a hot tub, and Cohen said, "Not that I recall." And there you go. That's <laughs> did that's a good call. to everybody Stoltz. I think that I think the, I don't know if Cohen got it, but I think the uh, the Auburn media was like, "Yes, <laughs> well, that was funny." Well, so. well, well played.
4: All
5: right, Borky, what was the second the second part there? Um it sounds like he yeah he knows a lot more about the Auburn search than we do when he's talking about you know these are the best case scenario top candidates but you know how it always goes to the guy you're not thinking about it kind of sounded to me like he's privy to some directions I don't know I could be reading too far into it but that coming from that guy tells me the the top 3 names are probably not where they're going
3: that's the Cohen way. Moorhead and Leach both not the top candidate when they were hired. From from our perspective, anyway. Pretty much
4: everybody that's not part of the Auburn family is okay with him going the Moorhead Leach route, right? On this hire.
3: Yes. Oh yeah.
4: Yeah yeah yeah.
3: Because yeah. I'm go- sure it'll go be just as successful.
4: Go, go do this the way you've always done it when seeking out coaches. All right, we'll talk about some of the other stuff that Cole said when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and, of course, live on your Super Talk Mississippi radio stations.
0: More Sports Talk Mississippi now.
6: Now.
4: Of you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Kenny and Greenwood on the Ceasefire Text Line says, I'm an Auburn fan, but I don't want Lane or Hugh. We need a young, feisty head coach with energy that we can trust to stay, kinda like the new young coaches in the NFL. At this point we have zero to lose, and he goes on to say, being an Auburn fan, I think it was a dumb move to get rid of Gus. Who's better than him right now and available? Nobody.
3: I mean, Kiffin doesn't answer his own. coach. Is forty
5: six old now? Well, I Sorry, hey, Dad.
3: <laughs> I
5: mean, if you want young and feisty, I'm your man. Uh, I mean, with all due respect, Auburn fan, if you don't want Lane Kiffin, uh, let me be nicer. If you don't want Lane Kiffin, that is not a very intelligent thought. Because he, will... when
4: you say when you say young NFL coach, do you mean assistant or head coach?
5: Uh, no head coach is mean, taking a college job unless they lose their head coaching job in well, the NFL. I
3: think what he's trying to say is that the NFL has seen a run on younger head coaches and they're having success, you know, the Sean McVay types. So he would like find the, Auburn to find a college version of a Sean McVay. <laughs> you know, for three years ago, that, that would have been Joe Brady. That would have been the name to, to go get. Now I don't I don't know exactly who that name is. Hmm.
4: If you're really trying to get in the mind of John Cohen, then you've got to look at the pattern that he's used in hiring coaches and the opportunities that he's had to do that. Now, maybe being in a different place makes it a little bit different, but your process is still the same, right? So... In hiring a basketball coach, Ben Howland was was before John Cohen, right? That was Scott Strickland?
3: Yeah, Howland was hired by Strickland, correct.
4: Okay, so ultimately he he brings the Howland era to an end, and he goes out and he hires Chris Jans. And I think that one's a little bit different because Jans was one of three or four hot names that were going to be distributed mm-hmm. among three or four open jobs. So they all ended up in the SEC. They all ended up in the SEC at LSU, at Florida, and at Mississippi State. So which other ones do do we look at the football hires? So he goes out and he hires Joe Moorhead, who is a hot name assistant coach. And that was lauded. I mean, look, we can revisionist history that to death. That was considered to be a good hire when it was made. And the results, the results weren't terrible. But there was not a lot of excitement. There was more internal turmoil, I think, than anybody ever publicly wanted to talk about. And, hey, Dad, I know you disagree with this, but we're just going to have to agree to disagree. The fact that there was so much excitement around the hire that Ole Miss had just made with Lane Kiffin, I think ratcheted the pressure up on Mississippi State a little bit. And so they go out and they hire Mike Leach, proven head coach. And again, I, I mean, we can debate whether or not Mike Leach was, is the right guy. I thought it was a hire that made sense. It was go do something different than it's ever been done here before and see if we can get different results. Results not terribly different. Will they be over time? I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of feel like the sample size we've seen is big enough that it, you kind of know what it's going to be. Yeah. But what, is there a pattern in those things? Is there a pattern in the way he hired women's basketball? Much different animal than hiring a football coach at Auburn, but he did it a couple of times on the women's front.
3: I feel like Nikki McRae Penson was a hot candidate at the time. You know, had coached under Don Staley, had gone out on her own, and had some success at Old Dominion. Um, he made a he made a run at Jeff Walls at uh, at Louisville, tried yeah. to make the big swing, didn't get him. That was and Penson was was the next next one on the list. Purcell is more of an unknown, an assistant at Louisville under Walls, um, but you know, Hasha never been a head recruiter. coach before. Great recruiter, and you know, so far it's paying off. He's got two one hundred top. 100 but
4: and and then and then baseball really right? the coach yet so yeah. Andy Canizero clearly didn't work out. It was right. a good hire at the time. It, it, it just was.
3: You disagree? I think I think Canizero ended up being a good hire. But I, I I always was of the opinion that Cohen should have coached that last season, played you know, played two had two hats on, coach and athletic director, and let the state have a full search at the end of the season. If you go if it's Canizero at that point, it's Canizero. But no sitting head coach was going to leave his program in November, and Mississippi State baseball is a job that should be able to attract sitting head coaches. I would agree with that. So, so maybe underhired a little bit.
4: Whether, whether or not it yeah. would have worked if Andy I mean, had
3: not had other issues, we can yeah. debate. I think it would have because he was recruiting well. But I mean, imagine Alabama. I mean, I give, it's not a good example because Alabama has multiple national titles. But you know, hiring a guy who had never been a head coach at a program that, like that—that's that, considered an elite program. So, a lot of times it doesn't work. And it's a lot of times you would just be like, "Why? Why would you do that?" And I mean, then, Georgia did it.
4: It worked for them. And, but And then there was Chris Lamonas, and obviously that has worked out extremely well, extremely well, to the mm-hmm. tune of a national championship. But at the same time, Absolutely. the way that search unfolded, John went big game hunting, yeah. and, and he struck out twice, yeah. and then he he landed There's, on Chris Limones. He, he tried to get Nagel For whatever reason, that blew up. He tried to get Dan McDonald. He was told no, and Dan McDonald said you should go hire Chris Limones, and he did.
3: That's a, that is exactly how that worked out. I got a phone call about that when, that, when it happened. About, you know, you're wrong, and uh, I was right. That he went on the air and talked about hiring somebody with college World Series experience, and he was talking about hiring a sitting head coach, and he didn't. And then he backed that up to, well, you know, it could be as an assistant or as a player, which fit the Lamonas resume. And like you said, it's worked out perfectly. I think Lamonas is a good coach. I think State will bounce back this year. But at the time, yeah, he went big game hunting, didn't get him, went to Lamonas. So,
4: with all of that said, what does that say based on his history on what John Cohen is going to be looking for in this process? Nothing if he
3: has to clear everything with the boosters. I mean, to me it says that if I'm an Auburn fan, I'm a little wary of an off-the-radar. If he gets Kiffin or Freeze, fine. You know they're going to win, Right. But when they announce Auburn head coach Bill O'Brien or Jeff Grimes, you should you should be a little nervous.
4: Bo in Indianola says that Leach was close to being the Ole Miss coach when Hugh Freeze was hired in twenty twelve. No. Nope. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think so, Bo. Don't don't believe that's the case. James and Hattiesburg who says his process is going to vary because the resources and so, uh, circumstances are different, mainly resources. There's probably some truth to that. There are, but uh, let me let me let me raise this one.
3: I said, what about Todd Munkin at Auburn? That would be an interesting choice. It would fit, it would fit the Cohen profile. Successful coordinator. He was a successful head coach at USM. He got that program turned back around. NFL experience. Um, NFL experience. I mean, I, I, on paper, that's a good hire. Does it do what Cole was just talking about about giving you some juice and getting people fired up? No. Forky's that name
5: do anything for you? It won't do anything for them. It won't do anything for them. It's such a fascinating situation that we're not going to get any resolution for a few weeks, I don't think. Um, I mean, I can't help but wonder, based on listening to Cole, he's talking about these off-the-wall candidates. Mark Stoops said something really interesting yesterday. Practically begging his fans to give to NIL because they don't have enough. You know where they've got more NIL in football than they do at Kentucky? They have it at Auburn. Yeah. Well, it seems like a good that. football coach. I don't think that's one that, that gets people super excited either, though. Might should, no. but I don't know if it will. And, and do you, you hear how, how goofy this conversation is? you got to get somebody that will excite people. How about you get somebody that wins? Why is that priority one? Why is excitement priority one? Why is press conference priority one? Because that's all entertainment business. But I want to sell tickets? You know what's more entertaining? I want to get people in the in the stadium? Wins. Winning. Wins get people in the stadium. Yeah, but Mike Leach coaches? is entertaining. Fans aren't showing up.
3: Well, Mike Leach, the press conference guy, is entertaining. Mike Leach, the football coach and offensive play caller, is not entertaining. And I think that's what he means by having some juice. He's not talking about the guy who comes in there, he's witty. He's talking about a guy whose offense attracts playmakers and puts points on the scoreboard. Lane Kiffin would excite fans
4: initially, and then he would go back to being Lane Kiffin, and it's like just social media. It's not like he's going to be an ongoing excitement. If you want that, it's Deion Sanders, Right. Sports talk Mississippi will be back. It's
0: time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi.
3: It's time for you to get
0: real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
6: <laughs>
4: We're back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borkey. thanks for being with us. I want to go back to uh, two other things that Cole Kubelik said in the conversation. If you missed that, you can go back and listen to it on demand at supertalk.fm, or you can get the podcast of Sports Talk Mississippi wherever you listen to your podcasts. One more thing on the coaching front. I thought what he didn't say about Hugh Freeze spoke more than anything he did say. There was hesitation. There was, well, people inside making that decision are going to have to decide if that's the right thing. But he did say, I think Hugh Freeze would win at Auburn. Did you guys kind of hear that hesitation, hear that pause? Not a whole lot to say there.
5: It strikes me as somebody that understands that Well, and Haydad and I talked about this yesterday a little bit when when you left. Uh, We we got a bunch of text about distance running. That, yeah. Um, Where people keep using the phrase, he's learned his lesson. And I would love for you to show your work on that. (laughs) Uh, 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 how, How do you know? How do you know? And I'm not talking about the NCAA. How do you know? Because right before this season started, Messages were being sent to people actively suing his employer. So how do you know that he's changed and he's learned his lesson? That's what I took from Cole. Is there, there's, yeah, he'd win football games, but I am not sure that he'd be able to handle it and it, it would go smoothly and would further embarrass Auburn. That's the tone I got. I'm putting words in a guy's mouth, but if I were him, I would have that feeling too. I would be afraid that for the sake of winning, you risk embarrassment because that is possible and you can find a winner without the risk of embarrassment that guy exists out there
3: when you talk about freeze on a terrestrial radio show you just kind of have to pause sometimes when you're talking about what he's been accused of in the past because you just can't say it out loud
4: When I talk about Hugh Freeze, I kind of have to separate some of my personal feelings from the football piece of it. For you, and, for you
3: especially, yeah.
4: And I think on the football piece of it, I think they would win. I, I, I don't think Hugh Freeze is dumb either. I've got to believe that he has learned some things over the course of the last few years. So, eh. I mean, I, I understand the hesitation. I don't think it's a terribly risky hire for Auburn, though, to hire Hugh Freeze. I, I just don't. But I think he have some clear parameters about what's acceptable on social media and what's not. And if he's willing to agree to those things... Oh, good. We got one of those those Hugh people on here. I'm glad y'all are all perfect humans. And nobody even said anything remotely
3: close to that. Uh, I'm just gonna sit back and let you go.
4: I, I'm not doing it today. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing it today.
3: Just want to let you know, I am perfect. Look at me. I'm gorgeous, I'm smart. Yeah.
4: I, I tend to think that, that Hugh Freeze is a safer hire than most people want. Like, everybody wants to put the caveat on there with Hugh Freeze. I, I don't know that, that that's necessary.
5: I, I, I just don't. I think it is. When you're sending messages to people suing your employer, comparing your bosses to Jesus, you haven't learned anything.
4: Somebody says without cheating, Freeze does not win. It's
5: just, just... Come okay, on, that's dumb. He's a he's, Come on. Did, did he cheat to beat Arkansas on Saturday? Is, never his, mind that. is his Liberty roster filled with Robert kimdichi's No, <laughs> buddy. He won on coaching and coaching alone.
3: The things we're calling cheating? Totally legal now. Thank you for putting that qualifier on there calling cheating also. Anyway. Um yeah, that's, sure,
5: yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Questioning his coaching prowess is, is a stupid thing. It's that's dumb.
3: I was winning at Lambuth. Was he, was he cheating at Lambuth? And, I don't even know if i was pronouncing ooh, that right.
4: But ooh, I think, but whatever. Lambeth Matt and Intuplo says, not sure Hugh would even want the dumpster fire that is Auburn football right now. <laughs> right, uh, Matt, Matt,
3: Matt, Matt, Matt. Uh, buddy, Matt. he'd dive in ooh. head first with a fire extinguisher.
5: Ever he seen that? get
4: on his hands and knees and crawl from Lynchburg, Virginia to the Plains tonight.
5: Yeah, the uh, so I can't say the name of the show because of the word, but the Johnny knoxville Stevo production from back in the early 2000s. You could say that. I'm not going to, though, just in case. where They, they did a thing where they, they went to an alligator farm and tied a rope across the top of an enclosure and strapped meat to themselves and had to crawl across the tightrope over the alligator pond, Mm -hmm. he would do that if it meant at the end of the rope, there's the Auburn job. Hmm. No doubt about that. None. And there's also no doubt that he would coach a lot of winning football games. I mean, C-Spire text line, I'm a state fan. I wish we'd hire Freeze.
3: It's a more common uh, sentiment than you might imagine. Hmm.
4: Five o'clock hour coming up. Bill Bender will join us in about 20 minutes. College football fix when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: You're number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi.
5: Basketball
4: season got started last night. You had both Ole Miss and Mississippi State winning in their season openers. For Mississippi State, it was a little bit of a clunky start to the game before pulling away. They outscored Texas A&M Corpus Christi 38-14 after trailing by five at the half in the ball game. DJ Jeffries last night had uh, seven points. Tolo Smith had 19 points and 11 rebounds in 27 minutes of play. He was the only, no, one or two. That's right, Uh Shaquille Moore also had 11 points uh, last night for Mississippi State. Uh, Ole Miss got a win over Alcorn State. I called Mississippi State's uh, early game clunky. I think that would qualify for a lot of uh, the game for Ole Miss. 73-58, Rebels end up winning it by 15. They outscored Alcorn by 14 in the second half. Ole Miss was led in scoring by Matthew Morrell. He had 20 points in the game in 34 minutes, including five made threes. Robert Allen made his return last night in an Ole Miss uniform, 15 points and seven rebounds. And the freshman T.J. Caldwell had 10 points on four of six shooting last night. Up next for Ole Miss, they will play FAU on Is that Saturday. Friday. Friday night. Friday night. Friday night. And hey dad, I do, here wait, here it is. I got Mississippi State schedule in front of me. Their next game, state is also state on Friday State's night. next game against,
3: is against go ahead. against Akron in the Barstool Sports Invitational.
4: Yeah, and that's in New Jersey? I think it's in wait, Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia, that's right. Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Kind of right there where the Lincoln Financial Field and Citizens Bank Park. They're all clustered right there together. Let me go ahead and do
3: this. Mm -hmm. Let me go ahead and do this. Hopefully everybody's listening. The game will only be available to watch on Barstool's streaming channels. There's no TV. There's no SEC Network Plus. You have to go to BarstoolSports.com, and there'll be a link uh, to watch it from there. Okay.
4: There you go. Be an interesting way of consuming basketball because that's outside the norm and where you go to find games that you want to watch no question
5: get used to it because amazon is going to keep buying sports rights you Yeah that, but that that's mainstream right but smaller stuff like this it, there it's all i say all Eventually, we're going to get to a point in the near future where every sport that you're watching is streamed somewhere. Streaming is going to be the name of the sports game moving forward.
4: No no, no doubt. (laughs) I, I guess the point that I was making was, even though Barstool has a massive audience of sports fans, I would guess that the majority of Mississippi State people would go, what is BarstoolSports.com? Yeah, probably never yeah. been. Uh, and might be surprised at some of what they find uh, if, if they go there. Uh, it, it's not like saying, oh, yeah, it's on ESPN Plus or SEC Network Plus or even Amazon Prime. It's It's a yeah. little more niche. Than uh, than that, but look, if you're if you're trying
5: to watch your team play against Akron in basketball, you're willing to take the next couple of steps to find. (laughs)
4: That's that's fair. That is uh, that is altogether fair. This is Sports Talk Mississippi five o'clock hour with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can visit them online at PearlRiverResort.com. Richard Cross, Brian dad and Michael Borke, thanks for being with us. You can be uh, part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. I love the back and forth on the text line, only when the answer becomes clear that there's like, oh, I'm just messing with you guys. Uh, so this one that said, and I'm having to decipher, but it was basically... If Auburn and John Cohen hired Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze would be welcome back to Ole Miss, right? Most of this, I think, was Borky in terms of the response, and then I jumped in at the end, and he said no. He's like, LOL, you saying Hugh isn't welcome at Ole Miss? If Lane Kiffin left Ole Miss or left today, Ole Miss wouldn't consider bringing him back. It wouldn't happen. Inside information? You want to call it that? The horse's mouth? I responded, I can tell you with 100% certainty that Ole Miss would not rehire Lane, uh, Hugh Freeze. And sure, call it inside information if you would like. And then we get the, oh, I'm just messing with you guys. So, yes, that's
5: not happening. What a time. If only Auburn was you know, not them and we wouldn't have two coaches in the state that are constantly repeatedly getting named for their opening that happened in October... Not who? If Auburn would just be normal, we wouldn't have to, well, what about Coach oh. Prime? What about Kiffin? Oh. We could just have you know normal days instead of Auburn's a disaster, but they're a disaster with some money, and by God, they won a national championship. You can't take that away, but I think people overinflate that championship because Cam Newton and Cam Newton only is why they won that championship. But either way, it happened. And it's, it's just constant. I, I don't know how often you guys get asked about it. It's every single day for me. Well, how much money would it take Auburn. to get Kiffin to stay? Well, a lot. Can Ole Miss pay that? I think so. Well, what if Auburn offers this? My response is, well, what if they don't? Well, I don't know, but this message board said that they did. Well, they probably didn't because that would make them the highest paid coach in college football, and Auburn's not doing that. Well, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Or just, are they? Exactly. I mean... <laughs> Just constant.
3: <sighs> Auburn is like that. the meme from the Baba Duke. It's like, why can't you just be normal? Ah!
4: Clip that. Simple as that. Just the ah. Uh, oh, it's, well, it'll be used.
3: We'll need that. That's fine. I don't care.
5: Uh, what do you say I'll, we give to you the by college the way, football Thank
3: you for, uh, for clipping what I asked you to clip yesterday. I appreciate that. I laughed again.
5: What did I do? Uh, so I saw a you video of somebody running the this New York guy. City Marathon, and I was just You're setting up the segment, it. right? Uh, but somebody running the just New York City Marathon—I guess on, I could. We have the clip. Oh, it's
3: on yeah. Twitter if you want to see it, and we'll, we'll play the clip and let's get to the Ball fix. Why don't we play that clip in the next segment? So Richard can have a laugh. <laughs> I, I just took control there. I just became—I just became producer director. I just did it. I did the thing. College football fix is driven. You want to do the read also?
4: Nope. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. BuyFordNow.com. You can start your search there, but don't stop there. Test drive the F-150 F-Series. Best selling trucks in America for how many years?
0: Forty-five!
4: Forty-five straight years. The uh, the new college football playoff poll is coming out tonight. Michael Borkey, give me your top eight.
5: Top eight. Top eight. So uh, I think the best team in the country has been solidified now. I, I do believe it's Georgia. I would put, despite their struggle, Ohio State at number two ahead of Michigan. I think Ohio State has been tested a little bit more uh, than Michigan. I would put them both ahead of TCU. And I'm going to use a line that I didn't like from the committee chair, uh, TCU does fall behind in games against lesser opponents. They win them, and so they belong in the top four. However, that has not been an issue as much for Ohio State and Michigan. But if you wanted to interchange them, I wouldn't argue too much with you. But uh, but those are my top four. And then I would have Tennessee at, uh, at five. I think that despite the loss and kind of getting humbled, uh, they would belong there. I would have LSU, if you can believe it, at 6 ahead of Oregon. I think if they played Oregon today, they would win. Uh, I don't love this, but I would have USC at 7, Ole Miss 8, Alabama 9, UCLA 10. So you just bumped Oregon completely out of the top 10? Yep. I know they're good, but wow. I think if Oregon played Ole Miss today, Ole Miss would win. They've already beaten UCLA, though. I. Sorry, yes. I have it backwards. Oregon ahead of UCLA. Okay. Hey there, give me your top eight. I'm going to go
3: Georgia one. I like Michigan better than Ohio State. I'm going to have Michigan two. Okay. Ohio State three. TCU is going to go up to four. I would have Oregon at five. I know that we're talking about common opponent with Georgia, you know, Tennessee was close loss. Oregon was blowout loss. But I just think Oregon's playing really, really well. And Tennessee, week after a loss, I want to see how they react to that. So Tennessee six, uh, seven. I'll have uh, USC, and then I'll have LSU eighth.
4: I got Georgia one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, TCU four. Tennessee 5, Oregon 6, LSU 7, and I've just got a big blank. Just like I had last week, I have a blank spot at 8. And I'm okay with whatever order you want to put USC, UCLA, and Ole Miss. Clearly, if Ole Miss loses to Alabama this week, they will fall much farther down. If they win against Alabama, then they will.
3: Ooh. You heard me say ahead of LSU. (sighs) Well, that's a good point. But two—I mean, two losses matters. Yeah, but so does head-to-head. I know it's—it's—it's a conundrum. Yeah.
4: I'll just—I'll just put on my red and blue underwear and put Ole Miss at eight for for funsies. But again, (laughs) I think USC is going
0: to be eight.
4: Sports Talk Mississippi. Bill Bender will join us. Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Great, as always, to be with you. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. So we were debating just a bit our top eight for the college football playoff poll that will get released in about 45 minutes. I suppose you can uh, choose to watch election returns or you can uh, choose to watch Reese and the gang uh, unveil the new Top 25 Week 2 of the college football playoff poll. To talk a bit more about that right now. Bill Bender joins us from the Sporting News. You can follow him on Twitter at BillBender92. That's at BillBender92. Bill, always good to catch up. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. So we just a second ago kind of laid out what we thought or what what our top 8 would be um if we were on the committee. So let me put you on the committee. Let's just start there. Uh top 8 for you tonight as we stand right now at this point of the season for the the college football playoff poll.
1: I would probably Do you want me to go 1 to 8 or 8 to 1?
4: Uh you can go 1 to 8. That's fine.
1: 1 to 8. All right. Well, Georgia that's easy. Number 1, yep. uh, obviously, a. Definitive statement. 2-3. I would go Ohio State and Michigan won't be surprised if it's flipped based on right. the last two weeks, and it's Michigan Ohio State. Um, 4, going with TCU. They're undefeated. I think they're being somewhat disrespected. 5, Tennessee, 6, Oregon, 7, LSU, and 8, and temptation put USC there. But I might go UCLA. I think they're the slightly better team.
5: So,
4: your top eight looks exactly like mine. Heydad went a little bit different. He put Michigan two, Ohio State three. He said he just thinks Michigan has looked a little bit better. So I got no argument with that. I got one through seven the same as you, but then I just put a jumble of USC, UCLA, and Ole Miss at number eight. And obviously, if Ole Miss loses to Alabama on Saturday, they fall down a good bit. If they win on Saturday, now they've got the best win among those three teams. But would you have Ole Miss in that 10-11 range still?
1: 9-10-11, yeah. They're, they're in the business. I mean, they've still got a lot in front of them. They need some help, obviously. Yeah. If uh, they, They're begging for help for, from an Arkansas or a Texas AM. I mean If they beat Alabama and LSU loses, they say, What's what? they going They're not going to crash for So. I think they're right in that range, and that's where they'll be. Um, coming off a of bye week, I don't want to say out of sight, out of mind, but given all the craziness that happened last weekend, it was probably good to be off the radar for a week.
4: It may not have been a bad thing. So we were talking about the, the line on Ole Miss-Alabama earlier today. Alabama's a 12-point favorite. Heydad said that Ole Miss is incredibly disrespected by Las Vegas. So as somebody that lives outside where we live, I really am curious what your perception of this Ole Miss team
1: is. I think they're solid. I think they run the football really well, and I always gravitate towards teams that do that as long as they're kind of, in some ways to me, a little bit like Michigan this year. Their defense gets after it, probably underappreciated. They have a power running game with two running backs that can dominate a game, and, um, you know, the quarterback always gets questioned, even though he's had a pretty good season. So, I do think they're a very similar team in that sense and a chance to prove it this weekend. I don't disrespect them. I think they're, uh, they've are they've earned that. And if they can get this done against an Alabama team that's just been very undisciplined on the road. I don't want to say miserable because all their games are close, but um, just very uncharacteristically undisciplined on the road in every chance they've gotten this year.
4: I think that's a good way to describe it. Visiting with Bill Bender from the Sporting News. So you a second ago said that you would have Ohio State slightly in front of Michigan. We're obviously going to get to see those two teams on the field against each other in the final week of the regular season. But as we sit here two and a half weeks out from that game, what do you think the differentiating factor is between those two teams that are clearly the class of the Big Ten?
1: Oh, it's going to be awesome. They're, they're, everybody's talking about it now. I mean, one team has a better collection of skill, position, talent on the perimeter Ohio State with all those receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr. has been amazing. Uh, Stroud, obviously, still, despite the wind. I, and I got to tell you guys this: like, understand how bad to understand how bad that wind was in Chicago. You just got to be there sometime. It was awful. Um, so um, I'm not making excuses because you got to play in the weather, but not a great game. But I, and then Michigan, just this power running attack. They found their identity. They know who they are. They're not going to apologize for it. Um this, Richard, I think this team's better than what he had last year. And, mm-hmm. and they are equipped to maybe go in there and beat Ohio State. It's going to be a really fun game.
4: So this is the most subjective of questions, but I know you've done it both places. Michigan-Ohio State, better setting when it's in, a, in Ann Arbor or
1: in Columbus? Um, that's such a tough question. I know. I'm going to say Ohio State. It's because I was there in '16 when they—that was the game where JC Barrett numbers the spot and all that—and it just, you can just feel it from from the go. Um, I was there last year, obviously too, and it, it's fun. It's fun both ways, but there's just something about Columbus at noon when uh, Michigan comes in there. The stadiums, the, the way the stadium sits, I feel like—and you know, Michigan fans would probably disagree—I just feel like it's louder. It gets so loud in there for that game. It's a it's a lot of fun to watch, and again, you know, people are already talking about it. And we got we still got two other games to play first.
4: Yeah, and I guess that's the only other thing. Is it just a rowdier environment in Columbus than it is in Ann Arbor? Because it looks rowdier on television.
1: Um, a little bit. I mean, eh, you know, both are great college towns, but I mean, I don't know. Last year in Michigan, it was. Rowdy, more maybe even more so because it had been a minute. It had been 10 years since they won the yeah, game. It had been. so, And I think that's what's amped the stakes up this year. Because if you really think about it, if Michigan wins this year, that means Ryan Day is 1-2 and two against Michigan. And they haven't had a coach with a losing record against Michigan in a long time. So uh, There's definitely a lot of play for both. I mean, Jim Harbaugh and they're rolling. They're only lost in the last two years or Kind of a fluky game at Michigan State and a loss to arguably you know, the best Georgia team of all time. He's got it rolling.
4: Bill, I think we have conditioned ourselves to not write Nick Saban's obituary, right? I mean, people have tried to do that a couple of times, and he tends to bounce back with a national championship when that happens. But there are people that are looking at this. Uh, even Greg McElroy, who played quarterback for him uh, on his radio show, saying, you know, for the first time, I'm, I'm actually a little worried about where Alabama is headed. Given the fact that they've lost twice this year, and there are two games that they have played that they very easily could have lost that they didn't, being Texas and, and Texas A&M, do you see any foundational issues at Alabama, or is this a blip?
1: Uh, it's I, I heard Feinbaum's comments about how it seems like Nick Nick Saban is disgruntled because it's the, the changes in college football, and I think there might be something to that. I mean, they're always going to have a four-star, five-star roster, a top-shelf roster with all this talent. It's just these penalties are just amazing. I'll say this. I don't know that it's in a steep decline yet, but I, I just felt like the whole night, as long as LSU was going to stay close, they were going to win that football game. And I haven't felt that way about Alabama in a while. You know what I mean? Like you will just assume that they'll put their foot down and win the game. But as that game went on, I just more and more was confident that Jaden Daniels was going to do something to lead LSU to the victory. And I guess I haven't felt that way about them in a while.
4: Bill, probably the last thing. I've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, you're a smart guy. Help me make sense of the line on this LSU Arkansas game where LSU is only a three point favorite. And I ask that with the backdrop of they're playing really well. They're healthy. Jaden Daniels has taking it to another level. is not healthy and they just kicked or, you know, suspended two more guys on the defensive side. What gives on this? Yeah, those
1: late, late games like that kind of freak me off because it's just. When I did our picks this week at Sporting News, it's like, oh, I'm taking LSU. Are you kidding me? And, and every time that happens, something happens. So right. I'll use the example of Kansas State, Oklahoma State a few weeks ago. I is the runaway winner for the most mystifying line of the year. And then Kansas State, uh, you know, 48 nothing. So, you know, it's one of those that, yeah, I definitely think LSU wins the game. But it's one of those where you, you look at it and you're like, well, somebody knows something. And I, and I hate games like that. Yeah,
4: no, I'm with you. I, like, I keep looking at it. It's like, do, does Vegas know that Jaden Daniels is, like, in a full upper body cast or something and, and nobody else knows? I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. I do know that it was a fun weekend last weekend, and hopefully we've got another great one coming up this weekend.
1: Thanks, Bill. Hey, no problem, guys. Have a good one. Take, thanks so much for having me on, Richard. I'll talk to you soon.
4: All right, bud. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Always good insight. Very measured insight with Bill as well. You can follow him on Twitter at BillBender. 92. Sports Talk Mississippi. Half an hour left with you after this.
0: something super talk mississippi
4: ESPN released its updated bowl projections. And we're kind of getting to the time of the year where these make a little bit more sense. Obviously, there's a lot that still could happen. You have Kyle Bonagura and Mark Schleyball who project these. They've got both got Georgia in the national championship game. One's got Michigan. The other's got Ohio State. Semifinal games, Schleyball's got Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State, TCU. Bonagura's got Georgia, TCU, and Michigan, Oregon.
5: So, let's scroll down and take a peek at the... Wait, so the guy had both Ohio State and Michigan making the playoff.
3: Uh, so,
5: a one loss, Ohio no, 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 State... No no no. Or...
4: no, 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 hold on, hold on. Schleyball for the semifinals, uh Yes. Mark Slayball had Georgia,
5: Michigan, Ohio State, and TCU as the the final four. So so Mark thinks that a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State would get in over a one-loss Tennessee? Unless he thinks Tennessee's losing again somewhere? I got news for you, buddy. Georgia better win the SEC. They they better. Because people are going to be so mad when a two-loss LSU gets in over somebody. They're going to be so mad, and that will be the right decision, but a two-loss SEC champion in LSU, if that's how it happens, will get in over a, let's say, a one-loss Big Ten champion, or a one-loss Big 12 champion, The SC, or a one-loss Clemson winning the ACC, and people are going to get mad, and it would be the right decision, but... They better hope Georgia wins, or else the committee's going to get some serious frustration and blowback from people who don't understand.
4: So here is Schleyball's rationale. If there are a handful of 11-1 teams at the end of the regular season, Michigan might pass the eye test as the best one-loss team, despite its soft non-conference schedule. Alabama's second loss didn't help Tennessee's chances, and Oregon's ugly loss to Georgia in the opener might be difficult to forget.
5: So. That's I respect the content game. Not going to hate on somebody making content and grinding. It's it's tough. But I would bet against that happening. Orange Bowl, both
4: of them pick Clemson LSU. Sugar Bowl, they both have uh they both have Texas and Tennessee. Cotton Bowl. Alabama Tulane, Southern
5: Cal Tulane. Oh. Alabama Tulane would be brutal. Well, maybe not though. I mean, mm-hmm. remember a, 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 an Alabama in a meaningless bowl game got beat by Utah. Urban Meyer's Utah, but Utah does Bryce Young opt out? Yes. Thanks, think so. Ooh, and yeah. that would be a good time to have a call-in show. That's, <laughs> that is something that I find fascinating about this game this weekend. Because on one hand, don't count out the GOAT, all that. Questioning Nick Saban's a very stupid thing to do, even with this team looking the way they do. But for every player on this roster... This is the first quote-unquote meaningless game that they've played in. Alabama cannot make the playoff. Maybe they're trying to tell them that they can, but they can't. They have been eliminated from the college football playoff for all intents and purposes. I wonder if they're going to have a harder time getting them to lock into this game because it doesn't matter to them. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you darn sure hope so. you, You hope so. But there's not a single player on this roster that has played in a game where the playoff was not on the line in the game that they played in. This is their first one. Nick Saban in his press conference said something interesting, was talking about player motivation and mentioned stock, that they're going to use stock this week to keep the players engaged. I can't help but wonder if he's run into a bit of a motivation wall. Perhaps. Perhaps.
4: Uh Rose Bowl. Ohio State UCLA is one prediction. Penn State, Oregon is the other. Eh, Penn State in the Rose Bowl this year. Eh. No. All right, here's uh let's see, rest of bowl season. I'm just gonna try and grab the ones that look a little interesting. Duke, East Carolina in the Fenway bowl? Or Syracuse UCL? Really?
3: That one looked interesting to you, Duke East Carolina? You
4: yeah, are, I mean, sicko. sorry, join Look, the committee. No, 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 that's a that's a little bit of that's a little bit of I've been doing the American Conference games and East Carolina, <laughs> you know. Uh Celebration Bowl North Carolina Central Jackson State. Shh, shh, shh. I'm looking, I'm looking for interesting ones. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, LA Bowl, Washington State, Boise State. Boise's been disappointing this year. Troy BYU projected in the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile. Here we go. <laughs> oh, hey, Dad. Oh, hey, Dad. Here we go. Jimmy. Do you want excitement for the postseason when you didn't think it was possible? Even after a loss in the Egg Bowl, Washington, Mississippi State in FIFA Las Vegas. I hope hope
3: to be sent. Uh, Washington, South Carolina was the other projection there. In fairness, they should send us all. That would be a tremendous remote. Right there on the strip. It would be something, wouldn't it? We would get permission to broadcast
4: on the strip. No. Oh, Maybe see. from the Hooters fairly, casino though. They have one of those? I mean of course they do. They do. But... They do. Uh, da, ta, 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 Cincinnati, South Alabama, and the Birmingham Bowl. Must... Yeah,
3: I was you know, the SEC is gonna, gonna be the SEC's gonna be short some bowl teams. I mean could have four or five teams that aren't eligible.
4: Oklahoma, Wisconsin? In the guaranteed rate bowl at Chase Field in Phoenix? Uh, Wisconsin's going to hire the interim, aren't
5: they? They're they're going to go through with that. I don't know if they are or not. Uh, South Alabama, you mentioned earlier. See, people so often, when they talk about coaches, they they say things like, who are you going to get? Well, who's out there? Because, of course, people do. People have asked me, well, if Lane Kiffin leaves Ole Miss, who are they going to go for? Because the candidate pool is not very good. And I thought, then you're not paying close enough attention. The the, the splashy names out there maybe aren't there, but look at what Kane Womack has done at South Alabama. Is that sexy? No. But look at the job he's done there. There are quality coaches that are building resumes out there that whenever that day comes, you know they, they may not flash and neon lights but they would win yeah i, mean, I don't i
4: probably wouldn't go the kane walmart
5: route. but and, I, I mean would, not uh, right now look, but what Luke i'm Pickle saying would is would have
4: to tell me no to 7 million dollars a year
5: yeah um but there there are guys out there that are building resumes that will be SEC coaches in short order and when everybody obsesses over the flash you lose the substance I mean, Ohio State hired a coach from the FCS and he won a national championship. I know it's Ohio State, different deal, but, but Lance Leopold at Kansas is another great example. Just hire guys that are winning. There are coaches that are winning at lower levels out there. Why do you have to be sexy? You know what's sexy? Winning. Yeah. Winning's hot. Shout out Paris Hilton. There are people out there that are doing that right
4: now. <sighs> It would take some patience from Ole Miss fans on on this, right? Because they've got the guy that's sexy nationally. If you lose that, and you're like, no no disrespect intended, but you mentioned a second—I mean, from Lane Kiffin to Kane
5: Womack, mm. yeah, yikes, or or him to tough sell, or to like Jamie Chadwell, but but then his team would take the field, and you would see this incredibly. Interesting shotgun triple option passing offense, and you would be hooked. Just because the name doesn't jump off the page, or they're, just because they're not funny on Twitter, doesn't mean there are not a, a, a table of really good coaches out there that can win. And that this happens everywhere. Jamie Chadwell's name's not even going to be mentioned in Auburn because he's beneath them, but. Wouldn't you love to see that offense coached with SEC players? What that would look like? In fairness, you've probably watched more Coastal Carolina football than I have. I have. I have, and Southern I mean, Miss fans I, I, will get to see their fill here soon. Yeah. Yeah. They will. What's coming up. Next weekend, right? I think. Or this weekend. Next weekend. No, it's this weekend. Yeah. Uh,
4: somebody on the c text line says barely had the volume up, but caught sexy. What the heck are y'all talking about?
3: You're me. Hey, Dad. no, that's right. Yeah, will miss going uh, to bowl, or is that just they just not on the list yeah, there?
6: Yeah, they, no,
4: we had to stop and talk about Coastal Carolina. We're we're going to finish the bowl projection list as soon as we get back. That is that is a monster tease for you, Mr. Brian. Hayden. Hey, we got the Liberty Bowl. We got a great matchup in the Holiday Bowl got the Texas Bowl which is has a kind of a less sexy matchup and a few others sports talk mississippi will be right back
0: it's time for more sports talk mississippi finally finally on super talk mississippi the super talk app and at supertalk.fm <laughs>
4: All right, hey, Ed, you asked, so I'll deliver. A couple more bowl games to uh, just peek at as we go through these bowl projections from ESPN. They're a little more complicated because they had two riders projecting them. Uh, Liberty Bowl. Bonagura's got Kansas and UCF. That actually might be a really fun game. Uh, Schleyball's yeah. got Oklahoma and Florida. Uh, name, brand, small fun. attendance. Yeah. Holiday Bowl. Notre Dame, Utah. Sign me up. That is one of my favorite bowl It's probably my favorite, hmm, one of my two favorite bowl games that doesn't feature an SEC team. That and the Alamo Bowl. Almost yeah. always bowl delivers. always delivers. Uh, Texas Bowl. Mississippi State, Oklahoma State.
3: Played in that same stadium against that same team nine years ago. Arkansas and Baylor.
4: Uh, t, 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 uh Alamo Bowl, Kansas State USC, Kansas State UCLA. Those would be fun. No SEC team in the Dukes Mayo Bowl this year because you're sending an SEC team instead to Vegas. Gator Bowl, NC State,
5: Kentucky, Florida State, South Carolina. Carolina? Gross. NC State without leading against Kentucky. Games.
3: Either one of those games are, are enticing. Music City, Minnesota, Missouri, or
4: Minnesota, Kentucky.
3: Go! Oh, what they do to deserve that in Nashville? The
4: bowl formerly known as the Outback, Illinois, Florida, Wisconsin, Ole Miss.
6: Okay. We'll Citrus Bowl,
4: win for Ole Miss. Yeah. Citrus Bowl, January second. Penn State, Ole Miss, or Illinois, Alabama. Penn State, be Ole two Miss. Citrus Bowls yes. in the last four years. Oh, you telling me Ole Miss has oh. a chance to go kick James Franklin in the face in Orlando
3: with Mickey Mouse watching? That's one. Where Ri- Sign me up. Richard tells Richard tells Ole Miss like I can't work that one. I'm just going to go to the game as a fan, and then he is up there. Absolutely berating James Franklin from from the opening whistle to the final buzzer.
4: I hope they'll let me be on the sideline with the radio crew, and I'll just get as close as I can and yell at him in his face. <laughs> <laughs> they go, you
3: go viral. And <sighs> the yeah, sideline, reporter verbally attacks James Franklin.
5: No right. lies were told. So no. citrus bowl means that. These projections think they lose this weekend and win the next two. Yep. right. Yep. Yeah. that's that's a nine and three projection. Ooh, I don't know.
3: That would be a, a ten and two projection. Right. Yeah. So we, nine lose and three this weekend, lose the next one. two. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, that's ten and two. They, if they lose this weekend and win the next two, they're ten yeah, and two. I'm no, sorry. No, I, I forgot I don't, that don't, they were eight and one. My bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it must be nice. Me. They. They. Uh, <laughs> I is. don't think. I, honestly, I think Outback is that is that where they had them? That feels like an eight and four projection, like losing to Arkansas, maybe or something. No, they were. they it was know. Citrus. It was Citrus. Citrus would be a ten and two projection. Yeah. What was the other one you had them in? It's Outback, right? It Outback? Outback versus Wisconsin. Oh, That's yeah. an eight and four. You lost. You either lost to Arkansas or Mississippi State, kind of deal. You can probably guess based on. Who predicted State to Vegas? Is it the same guy? Because uh, we'll eight four seems about, more sorry. likely. Okay, that's fine. But it, like Vegas seems more likely for State at eight and four than it does at seven and five.
4: Could you ask to go to Vegas at ten and two? Yeah, <laughs> you could. I mean, like Vegas I know there's a you... pecking order here, but ten and two, Ve- Ole Vegas Miss in would...
3: Vegas. This could be fun. Vegas would certainly uh, would certainly take Ole Miss if they could get him
4: would Ole Miss take more fans to Vegas or Orlando? Vegas.
3: And get that family vacation to Disney around New Year's would be nice, but probably <sighs> Vegas. Such an expensive trip. Oh, well, you know, For some, not for all. Yeah. yeah, I
4: mean, I guess the guy that won the Powerball in California last night, it's not not a big deal. <laughs> not a big deal. Uh, Ceasefire text line 601 879 Players can still be motivated, even with little to play for. Case in point, Auburn this past Saturday. It would behoove Ole Miss not to think Alabama behoove. won't be motivated. Oh
5: They're not going to think that. That's not what I'm saying. Behoove. They're, they're, like they're not. That. You think that they're in their locker room thinking, hmm, Well, we're going to cakewalk through the Alabama game. No, but the, the only thing I was saying is that this is the first time that an Alabama team in years has had a regular season game that they were playing in where they could not make the playoff. And if Nick Saban himself is talking about finding different ways to motivate his team by using draft stock, something to that.
4: I'm gonna, we rarely do this. I'm going to leave you with a text message, something to ponder this evening. C Spire text line. This is good. I want to keep Kiffin forever, but Ole Miss needed Kiffin to rebuild the brand, not sustain the program. It's a really interesting thought. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll do it again tomorrow, three oh six. Good night. Oh, it's
3: incredible.